Good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Hello. Marvellous, marvellous to see you. Um, well, before we start, I have to thank our sponsors. This is the fourth year that Finger Industries, ladies and gentlemen, have sponsored this, uh, this session. Finger Industries. Come on. And it says here, smart people and they're based in Sheffield. Why would, that, why would they not be smart? Because they're basically, it's very rude, isn't it, Dad? I didn't like that. Um, but yes, good afternoon. This is the fourth annual Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is session. Of course, this session is now so familiar uh, that it actually just goes by a set of initials. P-Y-M-W-Y-M-I. Um, I hear some people say it has another set of initials, which is O-G-N-T-S-A, or Oh God, Not That Session Again. At least I think the S stands for session. <laughs> Stick with me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the process of getting to this stage is tireless, I can tell you. Stop it. We literally sifted through four proposals, <laughs> which we then, over many, many hours, and Pino Grigio painstakingly boiled them down to a short list of four proposals. <laughs> so that we could bring you the cream that is the four proposals that you'll see today. I'm joking, of course, it was six. It was a lot, it was a lot. Um, last year, I gave you some of my golden rules on what not to do when you're pitching. And I omitted one an enormous, enormous tip uh, for anybody who's nascent in this world of going out there and pitching to the great and good. And that is, um, you must never, ever... I mean, last year we had things like don't spontaneously combust during a pitch or never wear slippers, things like this. <laughs> it's been known. It's happened. It, it, but the thing you must never do is exaggerate, ladies and gentlemen. Um, never, ever promise what you can't deliver which of course is a maxim for other parts of your life as well. Um, for example, uh, on a show that we made when I said I had De Niro attached, I maybe should have mentioned that it wasn't Robert De Niro, <laughs> the world famous method actor. Uh, and in fact, we had Steve De Niro, uh, the hilarious owner puppeteer of Naughty Teddy. Um, <laughs> I would point you to his website, naughtyteddy.com, but that's not the website that uh, you really want to be going anywhere near. Um, <clears throat> I know, I know I should not have agreed to setting our preschool stop frame version of Ben-Hur on ice. <laughs> that was a set of technical challenges that even Phil Chalk would have bailed on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and of course, I made the fundamental and almost catastrophic overstatement when I said, don't worry. This co-production will run really smoothly. We all really like each other. <laughs> <clears throat> they still write. But the one promise I can make, ladies and gentlemen, without fear of any exaggeration, is that um, we have a panel of luminaries here today who are of the brightest and highest order to put their money where their mouths are. So I'll introduce them to you shortly, but before I do, let me tell you about this year's exciting twist. And in many ways, literally, it is a twist. Uh, <clears throat> you'll all be aware, ladies and gentlemen, of the BBC's uber format, The Voice. 
And you may not remember the winners. I, I don't think the winners can actually remember the winners uh, of The Voice. <laughs> but hey, that doesn't matter when you're presented with the genius that comes from bring bringing two brilliant ideas together. In this case, they simply took the X Factor and with a simple addition of swivel chairs, ladies and gentlemen, hey presto, an entirely unique and groundbreaking moment in television history that only £22 million can get you. So this year, we've taken our format, and with nowhere near that kind of cash, with nothing, actually, we've voiced it up a bit. So our pitchers will pitch to the backs of our panel. Now, this happens to me an awful lot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I'm used to it. In fact, I've often pitched to an empty office. <laughs> uh, the pitcher's job is to wow them, to excite them to a point, ladies and gentlemen, a fever pitch of such febrile craziness that they swivel. Oh, sorry, around on their chair. Sorry. 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 It's just a paragraph. <laughs> around on their chair, thus stating their interest in the project, prior to the pitch coming to its natural conclusion, <clears throat> thereby upping the ante and giving me something to talk to you about for the last five minutes. But anyway... Beyond that, the usual mayhem will ensue, I am sure. But ladies and gentlemen, let us start with our panel. On my left, I have Dylan Collins from Super Awesome. Dylan, round of applause, please. And when you work in digital media, as this man does, it is okay to wear flip-flops to a conference, obviously. I, I, I consider it formal wear. Formal wear, yes, of course. My God, what do you like at home? Um, to his left, um, one of the great stalwarts of the industry uh, from Breakthrough Entertainment. She put the can into Canada, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Joan Lambert. <laughs> from CBBC, uh, rumour has it, uh, a few years ago uh, at MIPCOM, or MIP, one of them, uh, she actually she left her luggage at the airport in uh, Nice and had to go out and buy a few outfits, <clears throat> uh, thus uh, propelling the share price of Versace up by 25% in an hour and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Muller! <laughs> Last but by no means least, on her left, the, 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 the wonderful Eric Casimiro. I know very little about this gentleman, apart from the fact he's hot. Look at him. Uh, I don't mean hot in the... He's hot, okay? We're all hot. It's just hot. Uh, but... Uh, but the, his name is apparently 123 points on a Scrabble board. Uh, <laughs> useless fact. Okay, <clears throat> so before I introduce uh, our pitchers who are going to come up here and pitch their souls out, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to swivel. swivel. <laughs> that, wasn't part, <laughs> that wasn't part of the script, actually, was it? <laughs> if you just face that way so you can see that screen over there. Okay, so are we ready? Are we ready? Anything we've forgotten? We can crack on. We're ready to go. Are we excited? How excited? I love you. I love you. Okay, so with a project called Soul Jump, uh, I invite 
uh, from King Bee Animation, Martin Neymar and David Halthon to the stage. Ladies and gentlemen! <laughs> This, <laughs> this is the Soul Jump Show. <laughs> Definitely not awkward at all. <laughs> Believe it, yourself it, you get it, achieve it. Believe it, yourself it, you get it, achieve it. Believe it, yourself it, you get it, achieve it. Believe it, yourself it, go, 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 go. This is your time, this is your moment Don't let it go away again, don't let it go away again No, this is your time, this is your time, this is your moment Don't let it go away again, don't let it go away again So Soul Jump are a group of friends living with each other and they're working towards one dream and that dream is <laughs> jumping, um, music. So they're all trying to get their music off the ground. So at the core of the show there's a conflict between friendship and music. Sometimes they have to make a big choice. Uh, the whole thing started from comics I created about 15 years ago and I kept going and uh, then I started writing songs and it just grew from that. So Soul Jump has five different characters, different styles, um, and I'll talk you through them now. Ricky Klepp, he's the one, uh, the front man of the band. Uh, it's his big dream to get the music off the ground. And he's super positive, but he needs his friend support. Colin is an anti-friend. He's the drummer of the band. Uh, he's a cynical, posh egg, and he's always putting doubts in Ricky's mind. <laughs> Joy is a cool, fun, funky hippie. Um, she, uh, Ricky's got a massive crush on her and she's always saving Ricky's life. Jerichim is a, just a big, thrill-seeking, uh, lovable giant and he's just a nutter. <laughs> uh, DJ Sketch, he's, uh, he's the techn technology whiz of the band and uh, he's just a bit mysterious. He's always disappearing on Skype. So um, my eldest kids are eight and 11. They come back from school and they're constantly on their tablets watching Minecraft music videos. So they're getting into music and Soul Jump is a big 360 concept. Um, and now I'm gonna play you a little bit of animation and then an animatic which shows the characters mixing together. Hey, no, Jerk, and it's all your fault. And it's your fault. No, your fault. No, not my fault. No, your fault. No, it isn't. My word, my word. We've gotta be there in like two minutes. It was all for a reason. Maybe we were never meant to win the gig today. Maybe the real winning isn't this round in the competition. It was all a way of getting the cream to these feet beings when they needed it most. I mean, why do we make music anyway? To get loads of money? It was a rhetorical question, Colin. You understand the word rhetorical? We make music to make people happy. 
So let's just do our gig for these lovely guys. Oh, how marvellous. You're right, Ricky. And look how cool it is when we all don't argue. Dude, I'm sorry for the impulse buy, man. No. It sort of makes sense now in a weird, random, what was going on sort of way. Colin is unable to apologise, but please accept this as a treaty to our friendship. That from this point on... Uh, oh, don't give Colin the look. She's giving me the look. Oh, all right. I'm sorry, Jerichim. Dude, put it there, homie. Right, dudes. Let's totally rock the socks off these guys. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Socks? Socks? You put your foot in it now, laddie. Oh, my dude. Oh, no. My dude. My word, my word. Just messing with you, good sir. Now, if you please, can you rock the bunions off us? Oh. Uh, You're right, Ricky. <laughs> All right, guys, are you ready to soldier? Soldier! Oh! Let's do this, now. <laughs> Let's do this party, people. Someday. That soldier. That soul. Yeah. Can I have yeah. some microphone? Thank you. That soul jump. One more time, please, ladies and gentlemen. Soul jump. <laughs> you can you can swivel back now. That's fine. Um, so now the bidding starts, and uh, if you remember, <clears throat> they can bid as much as they want. We do set as a ceiling of a thousand pounds. But what they're bidding for is three months exclusivity for chatting and talking through and developing the project. So we had two of our judges turn around. So Dylan, tell me, uh, you, you swiveled very early. Uh, and why was that? Well, as a lifelong rap fan, uh, I could immediately <laughs> resonate with the, uh, the DJ element here. Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I've got some questions. Sure. Why the hell feet? In a pitch, in something as emotive as feet, which a lot of people are disgusted by. Yeah. Why did you use it in a pitch video? Uh, you it, were going to instantly turn off half your audience. Uh, it's, it's a comedy show and it's, it, you know, it's, it was just one example of some of the crazy places these guys go to. So it, every episode is not about feet, but it's a good point, actually. You, you made yeah, a good that point. That would yeah. need to be contractual. Yeah. Just, 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 <laughs> just, just, just we can lose the feet, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's good. Do I, need, do I need to bid or is this... Not just yet. No, Sarah. Sarah, give us your thoughts. Well... It looks great, it's engaging, and it works in a different way. And I think I'm responding more on behalf of our emerging digital and social network groups within CBBC. And I think I'd be asking to take it back and talk it through and get you guys in to pitch to them, because I don't necessarily see it being a main channel pr proposition, but equally we're looking for, for digital first offerings, and that's what I'd be trying to do with it over the next few months, to just see if there was anything in it of interest. But well done. Marvellous. Well, there we go. It's a very positive response. Uh, and um, you heard a phrase during that pitch, the cynical posh egg. You're never going to hear that anywhere else, really, are you? A cynical... <laughs> I hate the posh eggs, but the cynical posh eggs really drive me mad. Um, so, don't they? Oh. So, here we go then. Sarah, why don't you start the bidding? Uh, you know, start high, knock this guy out, you know, go for it. Let's go. <laughs> Well, because I'm on very uncertain ground, sorry guys, I've got to go in low, so I would go in with £150, which is £50 a month. That's, that's, not, that, that's not that low, actually. Yeah. You, you've been here before, that's people started at 50p. <laughs> that was £1.50. No, no, 150 that's the starting of the bit. Let's give Sarah a round of applause for that. Fantastic, come on! <laughs> 
Dylan, the ball is in your court. That's a pretty aggressive bid. <laughs> it was. <laughs> what do you bring to the table? <laughs> I'll go 175. Wow, now that's a step up, isn't it? Hey? Listen, you, you've no idea what you're playing with here, I tell you. This, is, this could get very messy very quickly. Sarah? much does know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a, a, it's a very new area for us and I'm not entirely sure what people are looking for yet. So this was an opportunity to see how it might work. And I think we're looking in the same space, so it's a good offer. And I, and, and I think just, I suppose, sort of being, being one of the, the digital folks up here, I think that it, it represents a lot of how kids are thinking about music and content these days, that it's not about all of the quality, all of the production quality, it's about how does it all hang together, how does it feel, um, how does it come across quickly. Um, so I think, I think it's got a lot of potential. Great. So, uh, Martin, David, you can either accept the offer or you can go back to Sarah and say, well, I actually prefer to work with you for £150. It's up to you. Tell us what you want to do. Sure. Um, you don't have to go at the back there and huddle like they do on Dragon's Den and have a little chat about it. Because let's face it, it's 175 quid. It's a round of drinks, isn't it? You know, it's... it's um, <laughs> do you guys want to work think, together? I, I think you're demeaning the entire digital economy, yeah. would you say? Are you going to team up? You know, you can add the 175 foot match. <laughs> you want them to team up? Yeah. Can they? Can they? I don't know. You can do that with BBC. I don't think you can, yes. Yeah. Our interests will overlap yes. in the future. <laughs> That's a polite way of saying we don't team up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> team up? <laughs> okay, so it's down to you guys. <laughs> little touch. Uh, little, little. Um, I think maybe awesomeness. You can push him. Yeah. Take him awesome. hard. Take him higher if you awesome. want. Awesomeness, yeah. Awesomeness. You're going to go there, yeah? Yeah. You're accepting the bid? Yeah. Ma, well done, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely the shades. <laughs> well done, guys. Fantastic. Well, what a, what a, what a start, eh? Whew. Real money changing real hands. Right. And changing real lives, ladies and gentlemen, as well. Uh, okay. Now we have uh, a gentleman called John Hayes. Uh, and I'm a tad nervous about this. It's a, it's a project called Snuff Brothers, ladies and gentlemen. And he comes with his neon T-shirt. Ladies and gentlemen, John Hayes with Snuff Brothers. Yes. Oh, sorry, swivel. <laughs> <laughs> they know when to swivel. Uh, hello, my name's John Hayes. Uh, I'm a writer and I have no visual aids of any kind. Um, I'm here to talk to you about my animated TV series for 8 to 11-year-olds, Snuff Brothers, uh, which is about 12-year-old Daryl Snuff, uh, who's possibly the world's most powerful psychic. Potentially. Possibly. Um, Daryl kind of has a tendency to trip over his own feet. Um, he's got a gift for getting into, but not necessarily out of, sticky situations. And has just been expelled for accidentally raising a zombie horde to impress his mates. I mean, when I was 11, if I could raise a zombie horde, I'd probably do the same thing, to be fair. Um, the family business is called Snuff Brothers, and they are basically bail bondsmen for the dead. Um, family business used to be run by his dad, who's disappeared, uh, a mystery that we'll go to later in the series, and is run by his very, very cool older brother, Mike. So when Daryl returns home, he finds that Mike 
actually has suffered a terrible accident. Uh, his soul has disappeared. And what's left in its place is this lumbering, soulless, golem-type thing um, with a tiny spark of Mike's humanity left inside it, uh, which is kind of the way that I felt about my older brother when I was this sort of age. So, you know, that's where it's coming from. Um, Daryl decides the only thing to do is step up and literally save his brother's soul. So he grabs the list, which is a catalogue of every single ghost, ghoul, spooky-ooky thing, horrible thing that's ever jumped bail from that side over to this side and done a runner, uh, and decides to track them down, uh, using his psychic powers to do so. Um, he uses something called psychata, which is a kind of martial art that focuses um, psychic energy into this world and allows things to basically uh, affect it. Um, what he plans to do is take everything that he catches back to El Nick, the gatekeeper of the up and down, and use them as a way to buy back Mike's soul a piece at a time. I mean, there is a ticking clock, which is the fact that Mike's body is falling to pieces without a soul in it to bind it together. Um, so there's always that tension that's going on. Uh, the other main problem is, is obviously transport. I mean, when you're 12, you can't drive. Um, so Daryl can't drive the... Uh, overpowered, overcomplicated, gadget-stuffed, converted hearse that Snuff Brothers use to catch barrel-jumping spooky-ookies, uh, the Snuff Wagon. And he needs their resident mechanical genius and lunatic driver, Zoe. Um, Zoe's beautiful, or at least she's probably beautiful if you get underneath the dungarees, the engine oil, uh, and the tools that hang off her, because she's basically obsessed with engineering and is a mechanical genius, can make anything out of anything. Um, Daryl's also got something of a crush on her, which is a little bit unfortunate because she's kind of got something going on with uh, Mike. Um, but, you know, her true passion and first love will always be engineering and pretty much the snuff wagon. Um, the final problem is how on earth do you track down these psychic things, um, the spooky yukis? And the answer is you use a South American vampire bat. Um, a species possessed with the most sensitive psychic nose in the business, able to sniff out any psychic vibrations within a 10-mile radius. Which is lucky, uh, as Daryl's uh, bosom companion and pet is Errol, a South American vampire bat. Uh, unfortunately, Errol is a complete coward, uh, is afraid of the dark, um, doesn't like the sight or taste of blood at all. Uh, and as Mike used to say, the quickest way to find a spooky uke is to look where Errol isn't. Um, together they hit the road in the snuff wagon, with a list in one hand and a change of underwear in the other, uh, on a quest to literally save Mike's soul. And essentially, that's Snuff Brothers. That's the series. That's how it works. Um, the emotional heart of it and the reason why I get excited when I talk about it um, is because it's really about the relationship between an a younger brother and an older brother, um, which kind of resonates for me and I think could resonate for a lot of kids out there. Um, I mean, when I was that sort of age, um, my brother was basically this lumbering thing that just sort of wandered through. I thought it was the coolest thing alive, but I didn't know how to talk to him. Um, so that's kind of where the heart of the series is. Um, I think there's a lot of potential within it. Um, I'd love to find out um, what other people think about it. Um, at the moment, there's a 10-page treatment uh, and two sample scripts that I've written, uh, which are available. Um, and that is Snuff Brothers. Thanks very much. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Turn, turn around, judges. Turn around. Well, we didn't really elicit much um, interest. I think I know what you're going to say. Um, we'll just give some feedback. Eric, could we start with you, sir? A little bit of feedback, please, sure. as to, as to um, why you didn't turn around. You know, I, I almost turned around on the brother component of the show because I thought that was an interesting 
an important story engine in that sort of relationship and saving a brother. I think where I didn't turn around is we've seen a lot of zombie projects come sure. through. It seems like <laughs> it's it's just been it's, you know an excess of the zombie, but it's a very good treatment of a zombie property. I think what you've done is really good, and I love the the bat arrow being the sort of reverse and playing on what you'd expect of, of the bats. Was there was a lot of good design to it. It was more about the underlying concept. Joe. Okay, um, I love that uh, the brother's trying to get Mike's soul back. For me, I think that like in, immediately in my mind, I went to primetime animation. So I thought it could be interesting, I mean, if you were sitting with me in my office in Toronto, um, that's what my recommendation would be. I would say, because I love the, the idea that you're exploring this relationship between brothers, I think you could have a lot more fun and go out really further out there if you took it to a primetime space and where he's, he's getting him back one piece at a time and all the while his life is in a shambles. And so with that primetime vibe, you could explore his marriage falling apart, he's ignoring his kids, he could, you know, he's not paying his mortgage. Like, you could make it super comical and that this guy's single focus is to save his brother and really no one else cares. Uh, I'd just like to point out, I am available to fly to Toronto. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'm going on vacation for a week, but after that I'll be back, yeah. So, yeah, no, but that's just where I went with it in my mind. Great, thanks yeah. very much. Okay, no problem. Thank you so much, John. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, no bids on this particular property, but some good advice there. Thank you. John Hayes, everybody! <laughs> yeah, don't nip my script. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, we now have, from Working Partners, uh, a wonderful gentleman I had the uh, uh, pleasure to have dinner with last night, uh, amongst several others, uh, Michael Ford and his project, Night. Michael Ford, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, judges, if you would turn around, thank you. Sorry, Michael. Cheers. Uh, hello, yes, my name's Michael Ford. I work for Working Partners. Uh, they're a book packager and IP developer. Um, at Working Partners, all we really do is create stories. So I'm just going to tell you a story. Uh, the story is Night, and it starts with Michael. Um, coincidence, it, I didn't just name him that because I've got a spectacularly bad imagination. Uh, he's a 13-year-old boy, and he is having the worst day of his life. Um, he's standing outside Claridge's Hotel, and he's about to go into the remarriage of his mother to a man that he doesn't really like. Um, Hector does have some things going for him. He's a billionaire. He owns a huge international energy company. Um, but, and, and there's actually people outside Claridge's protesting with their placards against Hector's latest uh, environmental abomination, which is a, an oil rig right off the scenic Cornish coast. Um, but Michael hasn't got a lot of time for that. Um, he even has to step over a kind of homeless guy to get into Claridge's, so that makes him feel really, really bad. He gives the guy all the money in his pocket because he feels so guilty. He goes straight into Claridge's, and he goes to the room where his mother is getting ready. And he really only has one question for her, um, a question he didn't want to ask, but it's, Mum, do you actually love Hector? And the look his mum gives him speaks a thousand words. She doesn't answer the question. She just says, trust me, Michael, I'm doing this for you. And that makes Michael feel even worse. He thinks his mum's getting married for financial security. So as the ceremony starts, he's feeling sick to his stomach, and he leaves the venue. And back out of the front of the hotel, the homeless guy's still there, and he says... I really think you should go back inside. And Michael thinks, well, much as I want life advice for someone who's living on the streets, I think I'll take my chances. And he walks off into the streets of London. Quite soon, he realizes he's being followed by two quite sinister guys with their hoods pulled up. And Michael's been around. He knows what's coming. And when they corner him, he says, look, 
I've got nothing on me. I've got no money, no phone. In fact, all he's got is the crappy pen that Hector has given him as a kind of wedding sweetener. But the man with the hood walks up to him and he pulls down the hood and Michael sees it's not a man at all. It's a kind of creature. It's a monster with a mottled, half-melted face. And the creature says, Michael, I don't want your money. I want your soul. And he grabs Michael by the throat and he begins to suck his soul out. And this is a real turn of events for Michael. He's thinking, my day can't get any worse. But as he's dying on the floor, he sees a little dot in the sky, and the dot gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it gets closer, he realizes it's a bird. It's a bird of prey, a falcon. And the falcon goes talons first into the head of the guy strangling him. And the head explodes in a ball of slime. It gives Michael time to get up and reassess things as the second one comes towards him. And then, but now the pen does come in useful, because he jams it through the eyeball of the, uh, the second slime monster and turns that into a slime ball as well. So now he's there with two balls of slime and a falcon. And then the falcon transforms into a man. It transforms back into the homeless man who met him outside the hotel. And the homeless man says, should we have a chat? And Michael thinks that would be a good idea. He wants a nice sit down. So they go to a burger bar. And to cut a long story short, this is just at the beginning, um, the man says that um, King Arthur was real. King Arthur was real and Mordred is going to re-arise, and for every generation there's a, hit, a group of heroes, a group of knights, who re-arise at the same time. And he says, Michael, you are one of those knights, and you need to find the others quickly, because Mordred is coming. And Michael thinks, well, yeah, thanks for that. I'm going to go back to the wedding. And he, but before he goes, he says, just who are you? And the man says, well, you know me. We've always known each other. And Michael thinks, we haven't. But as he's going back to the wedding, Michael knows a thing or two about birds. It's the one thing he shared with his dead father. And he knows that falcon is known by another name. It's the, it's, its Latin name is falcon columbarius, but it's also called the merlin. And that's really the start of the story. And Michael does go on to find his other, the knights. They actually, at his, at his school, one of them is his best friend, Gavin, who, uh, who discovers he has uh, mind-reading powers. Another is a shy girl called Safi, who develops a supernatural strength. And the fourth knight, sadly, is Michael's nemesis at school, a guy called Nathan, who's cocky and arrogant and incredibly handsome. But Michael finds them, and they undergo a journey together, and they discover the reason that Michael's mother was marrying Hector is because Hector actually is trying to bring Mordred back from the underworld. He's actually digging off the coast of Cornwall, not for oil, but for, for Mordred and his minions, and he will release him. So the book, the book has a lot of kick-ass scenes. There's a lot of action fighting both humans and supernatural minions. Um, but more than that, it's a story about friendship and kids growing up. These are normal kids with normal problems, as well as Michael's slightly awkward family circumstances. Nathan is a foster kid with serious abandonment issues. Um, Safi is from a very religiously conservative background. And we, oh. <laughs> so basically, it, it exists as IP already, 260,000 word books, and we really want someone to help us develop it for TV, possibly serial, live action. Hey, what's up, Michael? <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Uh, wonderful. Great pitch. Really lovely pitch. Well, well done. So, Eric, that turnaround are just in the nick of time. The, the, the tension. Really. <laughs> no, it was a really good pitch. I, I, what I really liked, I was sort of, I would have turned sooner, but I was sort of lost in the story. I think it's a really great reimagining of legend in a very cool sort of uh, uh, setting. And what, what got me was the idea that his nemesis is his, now has to be his partner. I love when you sort of put those kind of conflicts together. I think it's super cool. They're very much sort of based on the Lancelot Arthur right. duality from, cool. from the folklore. Cool. So let's just get this, this bit straight then. You've got there's two books that, yeah. that are, there's two 60,000 word books and you're looking to partner somebody to develop this now for 
TV or film? Or? TV. I think it, I think we, we've optioned things in the past for, for film. Um, I think they tend to go nowhere fairly quickly. Um, with, uh, <laughs> with TV, I mean, we definitely see the, the kind of scope for this as live action drama, uh, either serial episodes or discrete episodes, which can be, be viewed out of order. Um, there is a broad plot arc that, we, that would be great to kind of maintain, but there sure. are so many minor steps along the way which would work well for cliffhangers. Very good. Marvellous. Well, Eric, you turned around. This means you... you okay, hello. Sorry. Yeah. Sure sorry, Joan. Sorry. It up here. Go, um, go for it. Don't let me stop I you. I have some regrets, and I believe this might be one of them, not swiveling. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I'm wondering, Eric, if you'd want to go together on this. Okay. Down with that. Uh, okay. But we, we, need, we need to talk Wonga at this point, though. I mean, you know... Can I budget myself? We still have more to hear. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wager 250 pounds. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Joan, 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 Joan. Joan. Michael. Yeah. We've got 250 pounds. Joan is very keen to partner with Eric on this. And I think you might want to be chatting to Joan there about doubling that up or something yeah, like that. I'm just I, giving you a hint, that's all. I was about to say the same thing. Oh, you were? But we're, well, we were on the same page there, fella. I see trouble but coming. No, but no, oh, I uh, think I may have made a mistake. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> just because Joan said so. No, no. I was okay. thinking about the success of Marilyn for our audience ah. and whether or not it's ready for a retread. And I'm wondering if we should be work we'll all be working oh, together. Be They're going to need a broadcaster in the UK. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. Well, this would be, his, this would be historic. This would be historic. Okay, so, Sarah, if, if you've got some folding stuff you want to talk about? Can I take oh, the might. lead here for a second? Yes, take the lead. Just for two seconds? Sorry, Joan. Um, I apologise. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, what do you, what do you uh, fellow dragons, think about the idea? Of, would we approach it as a series or maybe a wheel of movies? Mm. Huh. Well, See, it's not as difficult as you think. A wheel of movies? <laughs> a wheel? Yeah. Would you be open content? to? Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I okay. mean, what we, working partners, we're we're mainly book people. So, and we recognise that the world of writing for screen is so different. So, what we value as much as your money is your kind of brains and working with us. Yeah, I mean, I, and really, as serving as backdoor pilots in a sense, right? So, so it's not feature. Um, so, okay. Um, I mean, the, the brains and stuff is good, but, you know, the money's really, really important as well. Michael. No, you know, it's, it's kind not. Of, it's the just money's kind of, not important It's, it's super, super. No. It tells you how big the brains yeah. are, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a, very much about really having a very, very passionate attachment to their wallets, okay? Yeah. So, okay, we've, come, we've had 250, so you're going to need to put your money where your mouths are. I think that's not... The money. Talk yep. the money. Okay, all right. I think a very fair offer would be 600 pounds from the three of us. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of a lot of passion in the room here. To be. A lot of passion in the room. Um, Eric, I, I think I think we go 750 because like, that makes more sense. I think 750. I mean, <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> this this isn't my game, by the way. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. With that. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. We've got it. We agreed. Hey. Come on! <laughs> Shake on it, everybody. <laughs> huh? Fantastic news. Marvellous. <laughs> Cheers, Eric.
A brilliant result, ladies and gentlemen, and a fantastic pitch. Michael Ford, everybody. That was very, very exciting. Excellent. Marvellous. Right, we come to our final pitch, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a lot of you will know uh, Angela from Fun Crew. She's coming up here to talk about her property, their property, called Roman Joe. Angela from Fun Crew! Friends, Romans, delegates, lend me your ears. Here's a nice pair of ears. <laughs> this is Austin. It's his first swimming lesson, and he's worried. Water's wet, Mum. His instructor gets his trepidation. He nearly drowned at 17, hence his motivation to teach. He knows the secret is to build kids' confidence. It's a challenge, but Rome wasn't built in a day. This is exactly what Fun Crew Show is about. Roman Joe has a simple, encouraging message to children to give it a go. It's an inspirational CGI animated preschool show. It's about trying new things and persevering when a challenge presents. It encourages cooperation, teamwork and tenacity. We believe in Roman Joe and think it's got big potential to be a great series of 52 11s for four to seven year olds and a big global commercial property. Our hero is Joe, a seven year old spirited Roman boy. He's spurred on by his pet bird on a standard. Joe lives with his mum on a beautiful sunny island while his dad works away with the Legion. Joe's diverse friends include a minotaur, a cyclops, and a mummy's boy. His cousin Adeline's a hydra with cute singing snakes for hair. Jason is a sports mad joker. Harriet's a sassy charioteer. There are boys and girls for children to relate to, plus animal characters and mythical creatures. Joe gets his friends to try new things too. Together they discover how to tackle challenges with achievable steps and that it's okay to make mistakes because who gets it right first time? That's all part of learning. There are supportive adult mentors, including Grandad Bob, the inventor, and primary teacher, Miss Plato. The Friendly Island community pulls together to share successful outcomes. Teamwork and tenacity are key because awesome takes some doing. The Romans are inspiring to young children and present in key stage one, learning. The vivid stories of class classical mythology are the richest inspiration. There can be magical elements, but the real magic in Roman Joe is in the transformative effect of having a go at something and succeeding. Picture a golden flute. Joe's chosen to play in the school concert. Wow, the golden flute! But his discordant playing disrupts the entire community. A three-headed puppy howls. The Nelephant bus bolts and misses the stop. Discouraged Joe goes for a walk with his kind granddad and cousin Adeline. Granddad tells them to listen out for nature's sounds. Adeline hears olive trees rustling and echoes them on her tambourine. 
Joe hears a goose honking, and oh no, he's going to sound terrible. His family continue their encouragement, and friends are patient as he practices. The day of the concert, Joe's still nervous. He's going to look ridiculous making a funny parping noise in front of the class, so he hides the flute in a bush. When it's his turn to play, he freezes like a Roman statue, and there's silence. Suddenly, Joe's bird flies in with the flute and calls the notes. Joe remembers his granddad's advice to listen out for nature's sounds and plays the bird's notes back. His practice played off, paid off after all. Joe's golden flute sounds beautiful. Roman Joe has a universal appeal because all children face uncertainty as they develop and master new skills. Roman Joe's maxim can be applied to any preschooler's challenge, from learning to swim, to riding a bike, to trying new foods. Imagine the child reluctant to try a spoonful of peas and the grown-up who's run out of steam with a choo-choo spoon. Remember, kids, Roman Joe says, give peas a go. It's set in a Romanized world that's present-day relatable. There's an infant school, suburban pyramids, a playground with a sphinx slide and a number 73 Nelephant bus. There's a Roman bath, of course, where kids, just like Austin, can learn to swim. Can we give our theme tune a go? You've got to turn around. Turn, turn around, dragon. Turn, turn around, turn around, turn around. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> Hello, darling. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you look tremendous. Look at him. Oh, it's gorgeous. So, um, our judges, uh, some feedback. Joan, would you like to start? Would you give me some feedback? Yeah, thanks. Sure. Um, I love what you did with this world, and, and you've just done such a nice job of, I love the suburban area, the school, and all of it. Um, for me, it's probably not a play in North America just at this moment, because they're looking for a different, a less traditional style. Um, in, in the preschool. I say that, I could be completely wrong, and they, maybe they're just telling me that, the buyers. Um, but, um, but for me, it just doesn't feel like something that I could place in, in the US or Canada at this moment, the way it's developed. I, I think the visuals are, are probably um, not helping me. You're, do you see it as stop motion, or what are you thinking? It's 2D. 2D, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just not getting that lift. Oh, sorry, from I just the, made a mistake. It's 3D. It's 3D. So you said 3D. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. So I'm not getting that, that lift that I would need to visualize it on the, on the page at the moment. Okay. But I do love what you've done with it, and it's oh, super thanks cute. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah. Dylan. I tend to struggle with this category as, as a from a digital perspective, I think it's it's still a space that's that's trying to figure itself out. Um, so I, I'm I'm I tend to be very transparent with people and say I just don't know enough about what's going to work in preschool to, to commit to things. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Sarah, some feedback. A great presentation and a really lovely, well-literated world. But obviously, you know, it's not for us, yes. which is why <laughs> I haven't turned around. Fair it's enough. too young for us. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. 
And for me, we have a project about an ancient Roman boy called Farticus, so I couldn't have two. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't have two. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh. So I'm so sorry. Do you <laughs> want to? You want to pitch it? Go on. No. Oh. <laughs> Farticus. Oh, thank you very much. Harry. I'm Farticus. Um, oh. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I, yeah, listen, I mean, you've gone to all that trouble. You look sensational. Just keep it on for the rest of the day. Uh, you'll get offers. I just don't know what kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to go to the party like that later. You should, mate. Definitely, definitely. You'll, you'll get out. But anyway, um, Ange and Stuart, fun crew, thank you so very, very, very much. So we had two successfuls, very well done, our successful pitchers. A round of applause for our successful pitchers. So uh, let's thank our amazing panel for what they've done for us today. Our wonderful technicians who've helped put all this together, who are amazing. One more time for Finger Industries, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, the two and only who put this whole thing together, Zoe and Debbie, who've worked absolutely tirelessly on this. They're wonderful. And thank you so much for coming. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.